0: welcome everyone to the B2B Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we have a really special guest here and Ryan George who's the CMO of DocuPace Technologies. Also, and I'll let you, uh, you know, Ryan, tell us a little bit more about this, but you were the runner up or very close for the CMO of the Year Award uh-huh. in the financial industry. And maybe before we kind of launch into the subject matter here, which we're talking about how how CMOs provide value to every department in the company, and how that ultimately creates more success. But let's learn a little bit more about you in in the meantime. Here,
1: sure. So I um, I'm just at just at 20 years um, celebrating um, my life in the marketing communications world within financial services. So I. You know, fresh eyed um, out of college, I was lucky enough to get a position working as a licensed rep, answering phones, you know, ding, bell goes off and you have to answer whatever's coming your way. So you learn really quickly to think on your feet, but you also learn really quickly to be prepared and to invest in, you know, whether it's personal time or even downtime and to understanding what's going on in the world. I um, then transitioned into a PR role with the same company. Um, so I worked there for almost nine years before I moved up to Dallas which is where Dallas area, which is where I live now, uh, working for a broker dealer. So I'm now working for fintech. So I've worked at a a broker dealer, which deals with financial advisors and mutual fund company that deals with investors. And now I'm dealing, I'm working at a a financial technology, wealth technology firm, um, all the marketing communications roles that that sells to those other two markets that I just mentioned. So, um, you know, it's been one of those, just, you know, put on a different hat and sort of go to walk the world we walk to work in the same world um, since
0: for 20 years. Well, based on all of that background, what I love and the reason why we're talking today is your point of view on ultimately inside of the company, everybody in the C-suite, everybody in the organization is responsible for growth, is responsible for success. What doesn't happen as much is an internal focus being in balance with an external focus. What I mean is you actually, we we talked yesterday, and you gave a balance of what you thought the CMO's role should be and focus should be on external, in other words, the sales, traditional sales and marketing and revenue generation versus internal focus and and the development of the different departments. What what is that in your mind, and, and, and why do you think that way?
1: Sure. And maybe that's a contrarian view to what others would see in the market is marketing, especially the CMO role, be a very externally facing role. One of the things that I think has been proven to be effective in my experience is finding more of a balance, whether it's 60-40, you know, external to internal or even 70-30 external to uh, internal. um, Being able to make a sort of comprehensive, holistic marketing approach to where you're touching, um, you know, human resources, you're touching client experience, you're touching sales, you're touching products, at least in my case now. Um, and I think that that's been, the uh, you know, recruiting and business development side of, you know, whether that's sales or, um, or or business development. And I think that that's important because your skills as a marketer, as a communicator are available and uh, valuable uh, to all those groups, right? And so they're going to go do these things. And if they don't do them with the right guidance, they may not be as successful as you could be. And so, but when they are successful, you recruit the right people, which A, easy to market. When it's when you are successful, uh, the sales team has a shorter sales cycle and more people to sell to If The, the product team better understands the market and better understands how to communicate what the, pro- what the product does, uh, what the product can do. you know, All those things are what, what can be qualified as internally focused, but they have external outcomes if you execute them correctly.
0: And is it correct in your mind that marketing touches all those different departments, right? But the, there's departments that don't necessarily always talk to each other. product and HR and you know so you're you're talking about also being kind of the glue and and letting those different departments understand how they can contribute and and how they can 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 be a part of that success
1: yes so I think that that's part of I like to refer to the the glue is definitely one way I refer to it a lot Um, another way I would describe it is sort of being the the head of state, like secretary of state or the head of diplomacy Mm -hmm. for the business, because we do interact with lots of different areas of the business. And so one of the things that we can do is connect the dots over in this space to connect the dots in this space in order to to actually get that force multiplier that people talk about in business schools and business books, right? But but if these things, these two actions aren't ever connected, then maybe the business may get some upside from them, but it's not the full upside that they would need. And so I think one of the things like thinking about, like I sat on a product demonstration of some of the development work we're doing this morning on a product team, um, I can you know, spend an hour there and see like the one thing, oh, well, there is all of that, but that one thing right there, the market doesn't have that. I can then take that out and give that to the sales team. Um, and that's where sort of being able to sit up top of the organization and have the viewpoints in the different areas, I think becomes extremely valuable.
0: So what I'd love for you to do is spend a little bit of time here. Take us through some examples, provide some color commentary, visualize this for us, because what you're talking about on paper sounds fantastic, right? But you've got some really good, I don't know, you call them internal case studies, but you know of how working across department and, and creating value across departments really has helped the overall growth of the company.
1: Yes. So I think you know like we talked about a couple of examples. One of the more, more recent examples is the launch of uh, launch into a new vertical. So go to market strategy for the R.A. business, which has been an adjacent business for us in the development of a new product to address that. So I was assigned that project before I ever actually started We're talking based three years ago um, when I got here. I understood that I needed to bring in some. So, um, you know, when you are lacking internal credibility, when you're the new person on the job, one of the things that's always good is to bring in some, you know, outside resources who then can add you, you know, valuable in- industry consulting that can, you know, provide insight. So we worked through that process um, with partnered in partnership with our product team um, to sort of understand the competitive marketplace, understand where the gaps were, and develop a product um, that was then that came shifting that to helping our um, our group fully understand the differences and the nuances between the market that both the product team and then the sales team and then educating the sales team on the sales points of the product and how we were launching the product, which we did last December, um, and what we were successful to, to generate, you know, almost a million and a half dollars of pipeline in the first few months of the product being available. Um, and we're still learning through that. So I think that's something that's been important. It's been multifaceted as we've gone along. And a couple of things I've learned through that process. One is um, just because you generate a bunch of research and reporting doesn't mean people read it internally. Um, so trying to find the ways that, um, to put serve it in chunks and not if you send out a hundred page slide deck, which may be very good, it may be very insightful. People may not have the time to digest and dive into all those things, and they may not have the context that's needed in order to fully understand why it matters. So figure out how to do that and do it in conversations. The other part is when people know that a big project is coming or a big move for the company is coming, right? So let, we're going to enter this market. There's a natural tension there. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. So, but if you know, product development has an 18-month t- cycle. You've got to figure out a way to keep the excitement in, internally up um, and let them know that it's going so they're interested in that's something that they can, you know, one, the, t- the train shows up that we can all get on it, or, or, or you're going to lose some momentum there. So I think that's something that uh, I found really important in the CMO role was to keep our people passionate excited about the opportunity and learning how it's going to affect them, even when there's some uncertainty about when in the exact date it'll be and sort of what, how the market will exactly respond. It was a lot of inference and hoping um, that we would end up that way.
0: I mean, what you just talked about there is a lot of the fundamentals of what we do with our external prospects and, and ICPs, right? We, we wouldn't ever just put a hundred page, push a hundred page report out to you know, any of our prospects. You have to do it in a way that's methodical, that's in bite-sized chunks that tells a story along the way motivates them right and at the same time you're creating what i would call internal thought leadership you're the you're the one that's taking what's important whether it's what's happening inside external factors that are influencing the development of this product this launch right you're bringing all the information that you need to to educate your internal audiences so they know what's going on they're motivated they're on task and they can just understand how what their role is and how important it is for the company so that was my personal takeaway from you just said there Uh,
1: and there's a couple of learnings i think i've learned along the way so um i'm not totally clairvoyant and we didn't get everything right. One of the things that I think I would like to have done if I had to do it all over again, which was um, be faster in taking things to market, develop to the market's feedback and be able to iterate more versus building, 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 and then delivering to the market. Right. I think that's something that we call the agile approach. That would be it. Um, the other thing would be continuing to ask um, to have our our internal sales teams and internal product teams. Um, better engage with each other. So you talked about um, you know, sitting at the top, but we also need to make sure that we're not, we're also connecting the others so that the others interact so that it's all one big unified circle, not necessarily where it's hub and spoke, where only the person in the center has all the information and everybody else is inputting it to them.
0: So did you actually see that connecting sales and product, that product listened and adapted based on sales input?
1: Not as much as we hope. I think we're there now because of it. Um, I, but but I do think there was definitely input in things that came up that, um, that drove more interaction.
0: Right. Let's take an area that um, has maybe more been viewed as a nice to have in a company. But you were talking about like working with HR and employee engagement programs and things like that um, as part of this theme of like, you know, how do you provide the CMO value to every department in the organization? Give us an example with the HR group maybe.
1: Sure, so one of the things that our HR department, um, you know, we have, since we've been here, we've had a much more intentional focus on being an employee resource strong company. So we've expanded that department. We launched um, an employee engagement survey uh, and really focused. Now we're moving into working on our values of our business and updating the corporate values. It's a lot of the corporate stuff, but it's it's a lot about sort of listening to your employees, listening to feedback, learn what's important to them. What is their day-to-day business? And I think with HR, I think we've, we had almost no internal communication at all um, about things that were happening at Docubase when we got here. So there was nobody telling the left hand that the right hand had this success going. It was just sort of things were happening, people would, you know, at best, at best people would hear anecdotally through the grapevine that some department had some success, right? Um, in reality, you know what I know, which is um, bad things and rumors travel way faster than good news. Um, that's just the, the way that things tend to happen within organizations. So the first thing we did was stand up an internal newsletter that just uh, does two things. one, updates, everybody what's going on around the company. So what are key updates in different areas? And two, um, every, um Every employee newsletter has two spotlights of employees, so people know that you know Sally in product development, um, you know, has two kids, and it, this is really is really passionate about X, and you know Johnny in this group is really passionate about this. And I think teaching each other the human characteristics I think was something that was really important. So you know that is a communication and marketing skill set in order to be able to do that and draw out those stories and tell those stories. And I think that's where we've really been able to help them. And then with When it comes to the employee engagement, I think we've um, focused really hard on being sort of an excitement group and being a group that um, people enjoy to work with and are fun to work with and really sort of be um, a focal point, sort of people out in the front that are saying, hey, we're we're here. We're here to be engaged and we think you should be, too. And I think that that has people have um, latched onto that as well.
0: And do you have because everything you're saying obviously makes perfect sense, Right. And, and we're all thinking, how do we do this more in our, our our company? What are some of the tangible benefits that you think that the company has derived
1: out of this? Sure. I mean, I think that the talent level upskill is incredible. So part of it is becoming a destination where people go to do their job versus a destination where people go to you know, facilitate their career. And I think and it sounds so cheesy, but that's actually true, right? So you naturally will eject um, detractors or disengaged people out of their organization because the last thing they want is to, for a company they don't care about, is to be asked to be engaged with a company they don't care about because they will, so that's part of it. Um, the other part is you, um, your top talent, so the people that are your rising stars, um, actually see pathways for themselves. Instead of seeing pathways out, outside of the company, they see pathways inside of the company and become stronger contributors. So it's really just sort of unlocking those doors for them.
0: Fantastic. Well, um, there's a third area that we wanted to get into here, and it was all about the voice of the customer.
1: Sure. So I've had the benefit of running voice of the customer programs in past periods of my career. So I brought that some of that expertise uh, to the business here. And we didn't have a strong feedback loops with our customers. And so in partnership with our customer experience group, we run a biannual survey of our customers to get, you know, not only MPS and satisfaction score, but also dive into where where gaps may be in product, where gaps may be in support and service. And my job has not ended in just facilitating the survey; it's going back and diving into the data and helping um, our client experience team spot trends of what hey, this group used to be on the the promoter side, but now they maybe slid into the middle zone or even slid into the detractor side. Um, as well, as well as sort of analyzing what takeaways and once we have those takeaways, closing the loop with the you know our clients and saying, Look, here's what we heard, here's what you think you were doing well, here's what we think you do not we're not doing well, um, and here's you know, here's what we're doing for. And I think that's the last part is probably the most critical piece of that whole process because um customers provide feedback ongoing, but if they don't ever hear that that feedback is heard and that feedback is being acted on, and then that feedback is actually. You know, being used to improve their experience, then they're never gonna they're never going to believe or trust um, the organization that they're working with like they should.
0: I mean, it's it's interesting. the the analogy continues, right? You're talking about a feedback loop. You're talking about communicating with customers. So yeah, every time we give feedback, if we never hear anything, we never feel anything different, then you know we're we're not going to feel heard we're not going to feel connected whether we're talent inside the organization or we're a customer right and 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 facilitating ongoing loyalty within our customer base that's always the best strategy for for future growth but one of the things i wanted to connect the dots to here was it's communication it's messaging it's content internally with clients internally with you know your your employees but there's also content that is needed externally to sell that product launch right that you were talking about and what's enabling sales and Mm -hmm. so when i'm and you talked a lot about gaps right where there are gaps in the organization and i've never met an organization that didn't have gaps and how they wanted to talk across all their ICPs, all the different industry verticals, things like that. If you could set for kind of a baseline for us, the importance of content overall, the way that we've been talking about it here, for the overall success of the company, where one, it's not important at all. 10, it's vital to the overall success and growth of the company. Where would you put that in and why?
1: I'd say it's somewhere you know between an eight and a half and a 10. Um, the reason for that is we it's DocuPace is a wealth technology platform that really focuses on the back office solution. So at its cusp, the 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 stuff that we do um is not often the most discussed, it's not often the most talked about, but it's something that's critical to a big group of people who would go to work every day. So we have to use content as a as a demonstration of hey, we understand the business. We understand both the micro parts of the business that are affecting sort of the back office user, as well as their manager and the managed managers and the manager's manager, whomever. And so, you know, we have the benefit of serving a very defined niche within wealth management within financial services. So we know exactly what this audience is looking for. So So what we're doing is trying to find that audience very at the high level to make sure that, hey, this company is somebody worth paying attention to. They may not be ready to buy today. They may not have the pain point today but we are continually using content to demonstrate ourselves as a qualified, trusted source of valuable information well before the sales process ever even begins.
0: And you said a couple of things in there. It's an ongoing process, right? So the, the need for this content, it's not like, oh, we put out a good piece of content, we had a good webinar, now we're good for the next quarter, right? Like Because you you never know, like you said, when they're gonna be in the market. Right. And you need to be positioning, establishing yourself for when they are, which means you've you've always got to have that level of content like it's, it's called leadership content. Right. Uh, but in your mind, is that what's the hardest content to create? Right. We talked a little bit about this beforehand in terms of creating content around our products and our services. Or creating that content, that thought leadership that educates, right? That that moves the industry forward and and advises um, the clientele.
1: In in my mind, the most valuable and most difficult is content that's based on some unique questions or unique research that you're asking the marketplace and gathering that others aren't already asking in a way that others aren't already asking that tells a new story about whichever. You know, whatever stakeholder, whichever group you're you're talking about or you're asking it to. And I think that research-driven approach is something that is very near and dear to me and very near and dear to our CEO of our business is basically, let's start with, instead of telling the market what they need to know, let's start with asking the market questions about what may be most valuable, what may be most important. And then that begins the process of creating content from that.
0: You know, Ellen, That process, um, one of the things you said is that asking questions, answering questions that nobody else is asking. There was a, a great article that came um, out of Forbes and they just talked about thought leadership and they talked about that it had to have a unique point of view, right? Because you're not going to want to say the same thing that everybody else is saying. And that's kind of what you just said there. But I'm, I didn't ask this before we were talking. So I'm going to spring this on you. But one of the things they said was, that you need to have a little bit of a healthy dose of controversy. In other words, you're not saying the same things, and you're sparking ideas, and you're asking people to rethink maybe the way that they've been thinking about their their job and their industry and what they're doing. What's your thought on that?
1: Yeah, I would definitely align with that. What I would, because controversial can be, controversy can be controversial. What I would say is, it needs to have a. Layer of you in it, and why, what you're saying is different, and that's actually actually something that I think we're at a a precipice or, or a, a a new moment right now with the marketing world with ChatGPT and other AI tools. Is people say, oh, well, you can type in and get a, a blog post written, you know, by this. Well, that blog post really isn't worth anything um, if it's not telling something that's unique or telling a unique story. And I think that that doesn't mean that 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 those tools don't have a piece of the process. But I do think having a unique opinion or a unique perspective um, and finding that voice is something that is critically important. Otherwise, why would anybody care?
0: Right, exactly. And the why would anybody care translates into, as the buyers are doing their research, in order to determine who they're actually going to talk to, the why should they care is why they should be listening to you and why they should be having a conversation with you.
1: And the honesty and truthfulness of it is coming, you know, it needs to come through where, um, you know, content isn't just selling your product and making it seem like it blog. Like that's, that's not, people won't read that. It needs, it needs to be valuable to them um, and something that others that they can't get from a thousand other places. Right. Right.
0: It's uniquely yours. Well, if you were Ryan gonna kind of from everything that we've talked about here, if you had a takeaway for the audience of what they should be leaving with. What would that be?
1: So, so this is my here's my controversial or you know different perspective, which is as a CMO or a marketing leader or even an executive of a company, don't be fooled into thinking that your job description or in your specific box of a role is where you add the most value to the organization. Because that's not true. What's true is your leadership value to the organization and your leadership in finding ways to unlock talent, or unlock abilities throughout the organization. So I think whether that's helping, you know, create a strategy to where HR can bring in better talent or helping where sales can actually close the sales cycle, like I mentioned before. I mean, all those things are areas where they're probably not in my job description today, and they probably won't ever be in my job description. Um, And I have to be careful that can't come those things can't come in replace of what is in my job description because that's what I'm holding to. Right. But finding ways where you can push, you know, push the tide upward uh, within the whole organization. And I think most of the people who happen to sit in this camp of the, you know, strategist, communicator, marketer have skills that can do so and help all the different organization pieces around that organization.
0: I mean, what you just said there, I, I, I had a conversation recently with a CEO and we're doing a series on what do CEOs want from their CMOs? And the number one thing that he wanted was he wanted the CMO to help add value, add value to what they were selling, add value to their perceived value, add value to the people internally. Right. And, and that, that does cross and actually go beyond what the, the typical, job responsibilities are for a CMO, and, and that's what I'm taking away from what you're saying here today.
1: I think the response you get from a lot of emails is, okay, well, how was that measured? And the challenge of all of it is the CEO knows it when they have it, and they also know it when they don't, and it isn't necessarily from a metric. It's much more qualitative, um, and I think that that's where that relationship between the CEO and CMO becomes so important.
0: Well, Ryan, if if somebody had follow-on questions or wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way that they could do that?
1: Sure. So I'm always available email. So Ryan under George underscore George at Docupace.com. But also easiest way to find me, look up Ryan George for CMO Docupace at LinkedIn. I spend have LinkedIn up on my, my computer most days. Um and easiest way to shoot me a message and we love to chat.
0: Fantastic. Well, we'll certainly put a link up to you on uh, on uh, LinkedIn and make sure that everybody has a great opportunity to ask follow on questions. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your insights.
1: Great. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it.